0: you're tuned in to the Todd Coconato Show, otherwise known as The Remnant, one of the most listened to podcasts in the Christian community. You can visit our website, toddcoconato.com, and now broadcasting live around the world from Music City, USA, Nashville, Tennessee, here's the host of the show, Pastor Todd Coconato. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the broadcast. Pastor Todd here. U.S. feds are warning of a possible cyber attack Coming from China, China, China. We're going to get into this. What what does it mean? Why are they issuing this warning? Kind of weird. Predictive programming? Is it preparing us for something? Is it actually legitimate that China could be uh, potentially trying to issue a cyber attack, a cyber event, a black swan event? Well, we talked about that just a few days ago. And yet here we are again. Uh, But I wanted to get into this right when it hit the news cycle because... um, Well, I think it's something we should cover. And uh, we did talk about preparedness. And, uh, you know, I think it's important that every believer is prepared. But the most important thing is being prepared in our mind for what could be coming. Because there are just too many things to prepare for. You can't prepare for everything. But what you can do is be battle ready in your mind, in your spirit. And that, to me, is much more important than any other type of preparation, although I do think it's good to be prepared. Uh, You know, possible cyber attack, possible this, possible that. There's just too many things. So I'm going to read from uh, routers who put this out. Uh, U.S. officials deliver warning that Chinese hackers are targeting infrastructure. So uh, this was issued on the 31st of January and said, hackers linked to the Chinese government are targeting critical U.S. infrastructure, preparing to cause, preparing to cause. Real world harm to Americans. FBI director Christopher Wray told a congressional committee on Wednesday. So here are some of the things that they're saying that could potentially be hit from China. And you got to remember now, right now, the U.S. is saber rattling all around the world. We're doing it definitely in the Middle East. Uh, possible attacks on Iran, retribution retribution attacks on the Houthis, on uh, Iran proxies, on uh, Hezbollah, Hamas, of course. Uh, You know, it's just it's a hotbed in that region right now as the war in Israel continues to rage and seems like it's escalating. Uh, Seems like the powers that be want it to escalate. You know, war is actually something that um, when somebody wants to get reelected or remain in power, they uh, war is actually something that historically um, shows that, yeah, if they're at war, people are more prone to vote for the person that's already in power, because uh, you need a good war, you know, wag the dog, wag the dog, right? So water treatment plants, the electric grid, oil and natural gas pipelines and transportation hubs are among the targets of these state sponsored hacking operations. They're saying these are state sponsored. So basically, what they're saying is, uh, hey, we're in World War three. And uh, this is one of the ways that China might hit us is by attacking the grid, attacking oil, and natural gas, attacking uh, water treatment i find that very interesting water treatment plants so what did, what do we need to do to prepare for that we need to make sure that we have life straws and uh alternative ways to you know boil water get get water just in case because water treatment if that goes down that's gonna be a problem it's gonna affect cooking uh there's no, it's not just bathing and you know things that we think about i mean there's a lot of you know, things that require water you know um so water treatment plants—that's a big one. Of course, the electric grid. That—that that would be probably the biggest, because uh, if you've ever been without power for a long period of time, you know that's a problem. So uh, you got to make sure you get uh, you know the the electric uh, you know the generator out. You know the uh, you know make sure you have a generator. If you don't, uh, you know uh, solar generator or gas power generator. But even if, if you have a gas powered power generator, they only last for so long. You know, so that's that's the problem with that. Um, and this is what. Um, you know, I guess uh, this this uh, FBI director, Christopher Ray told the House uh, Representative Select Committee uh, committee uh, when it comes to China. So uh, Ray spoke the same day uh, U.S. officials announced that they had disrupted a sweeping Chinese cyber operation. So they're claiming that they stopped a major cyber event. And uh, Ray said uh, they're not focused on just political and military targets. We can see from where they position themselves across civilian infrastructure um, that low blows aren't just a possibility in the event of a conflict. Low blows against civilians are part of China's plan. So that's concerning. Uh, The Chinese foreign ministry did not immediately respond to requests for comment on the matter. Of course, they didn't. Uh, Ray stressed that the U.S. government concerns were not linked to Chinese Americans or Chinese nationals in the U.S. Uh, how, how can they say that when you have all these people going over the southern border, literally open borders uh, that we have under the Biden administration? Um, so uh, he said uh, these people were actually targets themselves from big Be- uh, Beijing's aggression. But see, I, I don't think they're telling. How many of you think they're not telling us everything here? I mean, first of all, I was just down in a meeting and I, I can't really give too much of the information that uh, was discussed. It wasn't anything you know, um, uh, for, that I shouldn't know, you know, not not classified information or anything, but uh, information where they said that there's, there's up to a million Chinese nationals in our country right now, up to a million. And there was all kinds of nefarious things that they talked about that some of these people could be plotting. Now, of course, I'm not saying you got to sit here and be suspicious about every Chinese person that you know, but... They're they're apparently these sleepers. And we know that the uh, the Arabs, you know, the uh, the Muslim uh, terrorists uh, are also sleeper cells. We have the you know, the Iran uh, probably militants in our country right now that have also come over the southern border, by the way, uh, that are sleeper cells. So not not only you have to worry about Hezbollah and Hamas uh, and, you know, any of the other ones, but you also have to um, think about the Chinese and the potential that they could work together. I mean, couldn't couldn't our enemies all just kind of work together? North Korea, we know that North Korea has shared information uh, with some of these other uh, anti-U.S. governments about nuclear technology. Um, you know, there's been all kinds of training of information and, and all kinds of things with the BRICS countries, uh, you know, of course, Russia and China, which the Biden administration and our current foreign policy has really pushed them together, which was probably one of the worst things, and, and a lot of people... Uh, warned of this under a Democrat administration especially with the way they've been alienating Russia and targeting Russia with sanctions and things like that and what's going on in Eastern Europe by the way which is still happening and uh, that's a disaster but it seems like the the new flashpoint or the the later you know even though the Eastern Europe war in, in Ukraine is happening you know what's happening in the Middle East right now is really a flashpoint because this thing uh, there's so many different layers to it uh, different alliances, of course, you got oil, you, know, you got some of these trade routes, which are very important and pivotal to, uh, you know, global trade. And so any of these things that get disrupted, and by the way, just just so you know this too, when the U.S. shoots down drones and incoming Houthi missiles and things like that, the, the technology that we're using to shoot down, you know, the Aegis missile system and some of these other systems that we have, it, it's like a million dollars per one of those interceptor missiles. I mean, probably more than that. So every one of these missiles is like over a million dollars. So think about how that adds up when you're shooting down a drone that the drone probably costs, you know, under 100 bucks. I mean, who knows how much these drones cost? They're not expensive for these rebels, you know, these Iranian uh, uh, backed rebels and things like that. Their drone technology, I mean, at the most, maybe a thousand bucks or something, but they're not that expensive. We're spending a million to a thousand. So, so when you think about from a force multiplier standpoint and from just from, uh, you know, in general, how long this is sustainable. I mean, every time we shoot down one of these things that's headed for one of our ships or an ally ship or something, you know, a civilian ship. I mean, think about the, the cost to the American taxpayer, which we're already in, what, $34 trillion in debt. And how sustainable is that? Well, it's not. So I just think it's really weird that the feds are, and I'm not trying to get conspiratorial here because it certainly could be China, it could be Russia, could be North Korea. I mean, yes, these state actors would like to see the U.S. hurt uh, because a lot in part because of our policy around the world and, and the way that we're aggressing, You know, we're aggressors You know, in, in many of these uh, theaters of war, like in the Ukraine. I mean, we could easily just say, hey, let's end this war in Ukraine and get to the bargaining table with Putin. And uh, probably what that would take would be to give up some of the northern provinces in in Ukraine. But a lot of those are ethnic Russian anyway, and that's what they want. So, I mean, think about the loss of lives. There were 500,000 people in Ukraine, uh, you know, to to give some of the I mean, we would have to find a a middle of the road. You know, Russia, you'll have to give up some and we'll have to give up some. And and then, hey, let's end this war so it doesn't go nuclear and it doesn't turn into World War Three. That could easily be de-escalated. The fact that they keep pushing this is because they want a war. I think they want a war. Uh, it's good for the military-industrial complex. It's good for uh, these warmongers and these neocons, and there are neocons on the right, by the way, that love this, like uh, Lindsey Graham, for instance, you know? So you, you really, I mean, it, it, if Trump was in right now, I guarantee you the war in, in the Ukraine would be done. That, that w- it probably would have never happened, first of all, but I'll tell you it also would be done. So that's that's one aspect of this. But even in the Middle East, I mean, obviously, what happened in Israel was horrible. And we talked a lot about that. I think it was on October 7th. But the deal is, is that we, we don't need to go to World War Three right now. And I don't think the American public wants that. I don't think you want that. I certainly don't want that. If if somebody like Trump that, that understood geopolitics and, and looked at America for a strategy was in right now uh he would be much more concerned about building the infrastructure in america uh bringing back jobs in manufacturing you know um really solidifying our our trade and you know bolstering our our economy and and getting america back on track and pulling out of some of these ridiculous deals like the paris climate accord and all those things that that uh, you know he did pull out of initially and so you know the bad trade deals nafta cafta tpp all those things so uh, the the deal is um Right now, where we're headed, obviously, as you guys know, is a globalist policy. This administration is extremely globalist, and uh, that's why they don't believe in borders. That's why the supporters of this administration say no borders, no wall, no USA at all. So, I mean, that's their own, you know, phrase that they say. So we're just repeating what they say. It's not like, you know, then they'll say, oh, you're a white supremacist or you're a Christian nationalist. Um, No, we just want safety in our borders. We see our cities are on fire. Uh, crime is through the roof. Uh, people are concerned about America. They're also seeing people all over the streets. I mean, look what just happened in New York. There was a couple of police officers, in the NYPD, and I know some NYPD. They're great, great Americans. A lot of them are great patriots. Some are ex-military. And I'm going to tell you, these guys want to retire. They want to get out of the NYPD. They, they cannot stand the current conditions. And this all got really bad during C-19, and it's continued but, you know, they they just said, I'm done. Like, why would I risk my life every single day when our city and and the policies of our state and our governor and our president, you know, are, are putting us at risk? I mean, that's stupid, you know, and and people say, well, how can you as a Christian uh, not support immigrants? Well, it's not that we don't support immigrants. Like, obviously, we love people. But, you know, it's like Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah. Did you forget about Nehemiah? You, get, you know, the, they built the wall. Why? To fortify the city. Why? To protect it. Because there were there were people that wanted to see the city destroyed. And so they needed to fortify it. And then after the fortification happened, what happened? There was a, there was a revival that happened. You know, there was a return back to morality and, and to biblical principles. And so, you know, this is what tends to happen. And so Trump was trying to build the wall. And uh, thank God for what's going on in Texas and, and the governor there now standing. Even though I'm not the biggest fan of Abbott, I think at least it's good that he's standing right now. And, and so, you know, this is like a showdown. But the showdown is it, the, the laws on the books in our country are to, to defend America, to protect our country, to have borders, to have a border policy. So these people are lawless. They're, they want to go around the current laws. They want to change the laws. They know they can't get away with it with the voters. So they just do it unilaterally and basically usurp the laws of the land. And, and then they try to utilize everything they can to enforce that including trying to threaten governors like Abbott who has every right to call the National Guard and defend the borders because there's terrorists coming over the borders. They can't say there's not. There's there's at least um, several, uh, I think it's over several hundred of, of, of people that they say are of special interest that have come over. Why? Because these are people that were on certain lists, watch lists and things like that. So how many have actually made it through that they don't know about? You know, we don't know. How many of these people are... are potential chinese special forces we don't know how many of these are potential iranian special forces we don't know but we know that we're vulnerable and now they're talking about a cyber attack so i want to spend the rest of the show on something related but different because we could obviously get into this more but what i've been saying at the church and i continue to say is that we are not going to make it through the times ahead unless we're on fire for the lord and and that means we need to be baptized in the fire. We need to be fire-breathing Christians. We need to be fired up. We can't just be lethargic or business as usual or seeker-friendly Christians. I call level one Christians. We've got to be deep, you know, deep cries out to deep. We've got to we've got to understand and discern the times. And then we've got to we've got to live in the ark. We've got to live in the protection of the Lord and the ark of safety. And so that is extremely. Important for us to understand. So, somebody asked me the question. So, what does it mean to be baptized in fire? What does that mean? So, that's what we're going to get into. We got about fifteen minutes to to have this conversation. Maybe a little bit more. But you know, cyber attack comes, the grid goes down, uh, we go to World War Three. Why as a Christian should we not be worried? Even though it's very scary, some of these things that are potential at this time period. Why instead we we should be in the secret place and fasting and praying? And knowing that God's promise for us is still yes and amen, hope in the future. That we are fi- more fired up than we've ever been, walking in the anointing and the unction of the Spirit and living each day to the fullest, being about the business of the Lord. This is what we need to do. It's not a time for, for, for half in Christians, it's not a time for uh, fence sitters. It's not a time for people that are lethargic or apathetic. That, that may have been the 80s and 90s, and maybe we got away with it in the last 30 years in the church. But as a Christian, that was never supposed to be the case. And I'm going to tell you right now, we're not going to make it in the times ahead unless we're walking in the fire and the anointing of God. And so we've got to be fired up. And so people say, well, what does it mean to be baptized in fire? So that's what we're going to get into right now. Let's do it. So the concept of being baptized with fire and maintaining a passionate, fervent faith is, I believe, in this hour, one of the most important aspects of our belief, of our faith. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is the kingdom currency, right? So let me lay out the biblical case. So number one, baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire. In the New Testament, just so you understand where this concept comes from, John the Baptist prophesied about Jesus baptizing with the Holy Spirit and fire that's found in Matthew 3:11 Matthew 3:11 and this baptism represents a transformative encounter with God it's a transformative encounter with God where believers are empowered by the Holy Spirit now when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit you get direction you get wisdom you get discernment God tells you things that you would otherwise not know. He gives you strategy. He tells you, go here, don't go there. He gives you warnings. He gives you understanding from a spiritual standpoint that you otherwise would not know. And all these aspects of the Holy Spirit on you and in you is so important because you gotta operate in the anointing and that's where it comes from. The anointing comes from being in right standing with the Lord, in other words, not having the open doors in your life to sin. Not, not continuing to live a lifestyle of sin. You have turned from your wicked ways. You are doing your very best. Are you perfect? No, but you're doing your very best to live for the Lord. But not only that, you are on fire. You're not just a level one-er. You, you, you are a narrow gator. You are on fire for Jesus. And that takes you spending time in the word, being a worshiper, um, hearing from the Holy Spirit. God will give you what you need. To, he'll let you know what you need. But the deal is, is that you got to get in his presence. So this is an encounter. You've had an encounter. If you haven't had an encounter with God, have an encounter today. Get alone with him somewhere. Sometimes I do it in my truck. I I drive up to a place where no one's parked and I just get, you know, alone with the Lord. I start praying, Lord, get me fired up. Lord, I need you. Let this message be anointed. That's what I say before I get on the podcast. I say, let this message. I don't want to just speak to speak. I don't want to just create more content just for the sake of content. I want this message to be anointed. I want somebody to listen to this and to have a transformative experience, not because of what I'm saying, but because of what you're saying, God. I want them to feel your anointing. We've got to have an encounter with God. We cannot let that fire go out. We've got to stay fired up. Amen. Second, passionate love for God. The Bible teaches that our love should be fervent and passionate. In the great uh, commandment, Jesus emphasizes loving God with some of our heart, some of our soul, some of our mind. No. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, he says, all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, apathy and complacency are contrary to this commandment. God said all. He wants our all. That's why he wants total reliance on him. Total reliance on him. We, we got to get total reliance. If we don't have total reliance, we're in trouble. Then you got spiritual zeal, spiritual zeal. Romans 12, 11. Romans 12, 11 encourages believers to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And this, this verse highlights the importance of maintaining spiritual zeal and enthusiasm in our service to God. We can't get, you know, weary, uh, lethargic. You know, some people say I'm overwhelmed, I'm depressed, I'm beat down. If you're in that place, the most important thing you could do right now is get back on fire. Do whatever it takes. If you gotta take a little trip, take a little trip. If you gotta go up in the mountain, go up in the mountain. Whatever you gotta do to get alone with God, to seek his face, and to get back on fire for God. It's so important. Number four, we got to warn against lukewarmness. In Revelation 3, 15 through 16, Jesus warns against being lukewarm in our faith. Uh, He literally states that we would rather be either hot or cold because lukewarmness will lead to spiritual ineffectiveness. Lukewarmness will lead to spiritual ineffectiveness ineffectiveness. That means every area of your life will be affected. Your marriage, your job, your output. I even say your health. Okay. If you are lukewarm, if you're not all the way in right now, do everything you can to get back on fire. Friends, this is the reality of our world. I mean, if you, if you can't see what the devil's planning, I pray your eyes are opened. You can't see the evil In this hour, and all the plans of the enemy, the plots, the schemes, what's holding back the devil's plans right now as we speak? It's the prayers of the righteous. Why are we still able to be here right now? What's given us this little bit more time? It's the prayers of the righteous. It's those that are calling on the name of the Lord. Just a few days ago, they they had a meeting, a bunch of leaders, and I think it just went on this whole week, about about, uh, National Day of Repentance. And leaders came, members of Congress came to repent before the Lord. We need to do this. We need to repent before the Lord. We need to to understand as a nation, it's if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. We can't be lukewarm, friends. What about number five, the parable of the talents? The parable of the talents and the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, 14 through 30, Matthew 25, 14 through 30, Jesus teaches us about using our God-given gifts and resources wisely and not burying them out of what? Fear or apathy. He commands faithful and diligent service of the saints. We've got to be diligent. We've got to be faithful. Even when things don't go our way, we've got to be faithful. Keep pressing ahead, no matter what. A prayer didn't get answered, you know what? God knows better. I don't know why you didn't answer that. I don't know why I'm going through this, but I'm gonna praise you anyway, Lord. I'm gonna give you glory anyway because I know you're the author and the finisher of my story. I know you're the author and the, you're, you're the potter, I'm the clay. Mold me, shape me. Show me what you want me to do, Lord. There's no backdoor exit strategy. I'm going to press ahead no matter what. My prayer didn't get answered. Lord, I know you're working on something greater. You see ahead. You know more. Then there's the call to persevere. Number six, the call to persevere. Throughout the New Testament, believers are encouraged to persevere in our faith despite the challenges and the trials. In Hebrews 10.36, Revelation 2.10. It says this, we need to maintain our fervency because it's essential, especially in these difficult times. We've gotta be fervent in our faith, fervent in our beliefs. Stand strong, my friend. Stand, stand, stand. Then number seven, what do we do? We occupy until he comes. We continue to spread the gospel. It's the great commission. He's commissioned us. He's given us a purpose. Even in this time, there's still some people that are gonna get saved before the Lord comes back. That's our mission right now. What a a joy that he's chose us to be alive in such a time as this. Hallelujah. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It calls believers to make disciples of the nations. And this mission, it requires us to be on fire. It requires us to have a dedication. It requires us to have an urgency. We've got to know the word. To know him and to make him known, we've got to be lovers of the word, doers of the word. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. We've got to have faith. Number eight, encountering God's fire. Encounter him today. In the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost is described as a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit's fire. That's Acts chapter two. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. And this event ignited the early believers' hearts and led bold proclamation of the gospel. And we've got to catch that same Holy Spirit fire today. That's what I mean. When I say fired up, when I say be on fire, it's because we have in the new covenant as believers in Yeshua, we have the ability, just like those saints in Acts chapter two, to operate in the fire. Yes, you are baptized with water, but one shall come that will baptize you with fire. It's the Holy Spirit. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit, according to Acts chapter two. And I'm going to tell you right now: I feel the presence of the Lord. I feel the anointing. I feel the touch of God. Do you feel him? Do you sense him? Do you sense the words that we're speaking today, which are true? The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians number nine, Galatians five twenty-two through twenty-three. The fruit of the Spirit includes love, joy, self-control, and a, a passionate, spirit-filled believer. And life should bear. These qualities, the fruit of the Spirit, you know them by their fruit. And finally, number 10, we are running this race with endurance. In Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, it encourages believers to run the race of faith with endurance, fixing their eyes on who? On Jesus. Jesus. Not, Not what the world is saying, not what the news is saying, not what Taylor Swift is saying, by the way. This requires an, an, an active and passionate prayer life and a pursuit of God. He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. So Christians, we're meant to not be apathetic. We're meant to not be complacent, but rather the, the word of God and the Holy Spirit calls for us to be enthusiastic and fervent in our love for God no matter what an empowered life through the Holy Spirit, a zealous commitment to spreading the gospel and serving others, to be about the kingdom business. Being baptized with fire means a transformative encounter in God's presence, igniting a passionate and unwavering faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you feel the presence of the Lord right now? I do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for... For tuning in to today's broadcast of the Todd Coganado Show, we're so thankful. We're gonna keep pressing ahead. We're gonna stand. We're gonna occupy, and we're not gonna grow weary. We are gonna be fired up. That's what the remnant is. You are fired up. Are you fired up? I hope you are. Spend time in the secret place. We love you. We bless you. PastorTodd.org.